Hi, everyone. Welcome to Small Steps to Self-Love. My name is Shelby Lee. I am a mental health writer, and today I am joined by Nishi Patel, who is a poet I met actually through the virtual poetry community that I run called the Poetry Club. And I have been so fortunate to get to know her and read her work through the Poetry Club and read her upcoming book as well. So I'm really excited to chat with her today about today's topic, which is grief. With Grief Awareness Day coming up on August 30th, I thought Nishi would be a great person to chat with because that is what she writes about often. Nishi has a background in the medical field and teaching and has always loved painting and writing since she was a little girl. Her passion for art and helping people has led her where she is today, writing poetry about grief and the hopes it will help others. So welcome, Nishi. I'd love to pass it over to you to introduce yourself more. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and your upcoming book. Hi. Yes. Thank you, Shelby. I'm excited to be here. So um, as you mentioned, I have been writing so much about grief ever since my father passed away, which it's been seven years now. Um, And for the longest time, um, I've been mostly writing for myself. Um, but then like through, you know, the online community, I read about poems and how it's helped me personally, mainly because it's been short, readable, which is very important because when you're reading, your brain is this foggy. Um, and um, also it was just relatable on an emotional level. So, yeah, you mentioned my books coming up. So um, that's the main reason why I started to write this book is because I wanted to <clears throat> spread grief awareness and lessen that stigma that you have to do it alone or, you know, get over it, you know, quickly. Um, And so it's called The Inheritance of Grief, and it's coming out this month, um, August 23rd on Amazon. And um, so, yeah, that's basically what I've been doing for the past, you know, seven years is just writing about grief. And this book is obviously about grief, but, you know, it's so much more than that. It's just about connection and the relationship with yourself with um, other people and, you know, with this book, especially with my, like the father-daughter relationship. And then that introspective journey of, you know, coping and um, finding self-love. Absolutely. I love that. The book is amazing. I can't wait for it to be out and for people to read it. And you're so right. There's so much more that you can take from it. Maybe if you haven't experienced a loss like that, but there's so much more that you can take from the book beyond just the grief aspect. Can you talk to us a little bit about the title, The Inheritance of Grief, and how that came to you and how you kind of feel like grief is something that was inherited? Yes, um, that's a great question. Um, So the word inheritance or inheritance has always kind of been in the back of my mind, um, I guess because, you know, I was dealing with my father's paperwork. Um, So it came to me as I was writing my first draft. And as soon as I thought of it, the inheritance of grief, I knew it was perfect. It was so fitting because not only, you know, when a parent passes away, you have like the materialistic things that you inherit. But for me, I felt like I was inheriting his grief, um, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So like his burdens, his worries that he felt when he was alive Mm -hmm. got passed down to me. And then also in another sense, it was like this new grief, um, like an onset of something that perhaps it was always inside of me, or maybe it was grief from like generations ago that didn't get triggered until after 
his passing after a passing of a parent of your father. Um, so the inheritance of grief was just fitting for all of that. That's so interesting. Is it something that you felt right away after his passing or did it take you time to look back and realize that that was something that you kind of felt happening like over time? Oh, yeah. So the feeling, um, I would say like, this is like layers of grief that I knew it wasn't just from the actual loss of his death. It was just like so much was coming up. And so that's why it was so confusing to navigate. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a feeling first before I was able to actually label what it was. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. And there are so many amazing poems in this book that go into how you were feeling during this time. A couple of lines that stood out to me a lot were you write that grief unmakes you. And another line I really loved was his life was the beginning of my death. Can you share a little bit how you felt grief unmade you and how you felt early on in the grieving process? Yes, um, absolutely. So at the very beginning, I was angry, (laughs) very angry. So that's pretty much how I felt at the beginning. And so the unmaking is explained like the unraveling of my life. So, you know, when you have a parent that's been present in your life for many, many years, and then, you know, he dies, it's like the, your foundation of your entire life, like the existence of your life that you ever knew shatters. And so that's the unraveling part, the unmaking of my life, just coming down into pieces, just falling apart. Um, And yeah. And so then the other thing you mentioned was that, you know, the end of his life is the beginning of my death. Um, you know, just how grief is like in layers, this, this saying means so much um, on different levels as well. So one part is um, I was still angry, right? I was still angry at the beginning and it was because I wasn't ready to say goodbye. Um, Mm -hmm. And in order to cope with that, or in order to just, you know, deal with that, I was not saying ready to say goodbye, I was actually keeping him alive, keeping, Mm -hmm. you know, he's dead. So I was keeping a dead person alive inside my body. And I don't recommend this to people. I'm just saying this is how I felt. Um, And it's not good because it felt like poison. You know, Mm -hmm. it was eating me away. And so the end of his death, the end of his life at the beginning of my death in that sense. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's how I felt at the beginning it was like this push and pull, of the angriness, wanting things to be the same, and then the unraveling, the, un- the falling apart of, okay, now what? Right. Wow. That's really powerful. It's so interesting to see these poems and then hear your explanation of them. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I'd love to hear a poem from the book. If you could maybe read a poem for us from the book and talk a little bit about what that particular poem means to you. Yes, sure. So I'm going to read a poem that's in the middle section of the book on page 69, and it's called India Eek. I loosen my bra straps, but that doesn't fix it. I strip all over again, looking for the culprits to find it's not the clothes I'm wearing, but the dark blob clenching my insides. A nameless thing oozing out from my center or a burden wrapping around my spine like tentacles with an unceasing grip. This 
ease transparent to doctors, but it feels so thick and all absorbing as India ink to me. Wow. That was beautiful. Can you tell us a little bit about what made you write that poem? Thank, um, thank you. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so this poem is um, it's about inviting curiosity and introspection. Um, it's about um, looking inside yourself and looking at what, what is happening inside your body to pinpoint how you are carrying the grief in your physical body. I love the opening. It really resonated with me just feeling like it's on top of you almost like you can maybe remove some of that discomfort, but really it's, it's something inside. It's something so much deeper than that. So I loved the opening of that poem. It was beautiful. Thank you. It's interesting. You said that because, you know, the next poem talks about how I dealt, I deal with that feeling. Mm, Amazing. Perfect. Well, thank you for reading that. I wanted to ask you and transition about um, talking about time, because I feel like a lot of us here after we're experiencing something like grief, that time heals all wounds or it gets easier with time. So how did you feel like time played a role while you were grieving? And did you find that it has gotten easier with time? Yes. Um, so time for me um, was not linear. <laughs> it was, it felt warped. Um, and I, I was all over the place and I felt like the world was moving at a faster you know, pace than I was. I was much slower and felt like I was in a different timeline. However, um, I could say that as long as um, I am continuing to work through my grief, I can say that with time, um, I am learning to navigate my grief better. And mm. that with time, I am adding more new experiences, new maybe even positive experiences, hopefully, to add to my grief. So, so grief always stays the same, right? Um, but with time, the the new experiences grows and it gets bigger at the same mm. time while I'm having that grief. So that makes sense. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. I feel like, yeah, it's maybe a misconception. It's not like you're forgetting about the person or it's not like it's gone away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you've had more experiences as you've, as you've mentioned, that's an interesting way of looking at it. Yeah. It certainly feels healing, you know, mm-hmm. but not in the sense that grief goes away. So, right. Yeah. Right. What are some things that you feel helped you most during the grieving process? And with all of this time, what has helped you the most? Yeah, so I mean, there's so many things that has helped me <laughs> the most. Um, there's many things, um, but I guess I could to simplify it. I could, you know, pinpoint down to two things. So, so one would be the um, the work that I do by myself alone, <clears throat> because a lot of that grief process is internal work. And so, mm-hmm. with that, I would say it was like the ebb and flow of movement and rest. So you know, being, being self-compassionate with yourself, you know, yeah. give yourself grace. And the movement part for me was like doing hot yoga, like that sweating, it felt very cleansing. Um, but now I do gentle yoga at home. Um, and I would journal, I would paint, um, cause I love painting, you know, that's really good because when you don't have words, you can still mm-hmm. express without words, you know? 
right. um, and then hiking or, or walking. And then the rest, I like to really emphasize that it's intentional rest. It's like you're giving yourself permission to just take a break, take a pause and just rest, do some self-care. Um, and it's intentional because it's not it's not like you're avoiding, you're forgetting, you're just putting something on hold, putting it on break. Right. Um, so, and then the other side of it is not your alone work. It's more connecting with others. And that's very, very important um, for me, like to have somebody to just step into my space and to listen. And even when there's like, sometimes not, you know, there's not anything you can talk about, or sometimes we just don't have the words to have somebody to just in your space and to sit with you in silence. That's mm -hmm. key. And it's hard to do too. I understand that. Um, but that's been very helpful for me. Um, but other than having like a friend, I would say that having a community, like a larger community has been really, really impactful for me to just share stories. And it's just a, like a whole safe holding space when you're grief. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so those two things. I love that. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of us might feel like we don't know what to say to someone who's going through the grieving process or whatever it might be. So it's nice to know, you know, just being there for someone, you don't have to have the right things to say, sitting with them in silence, showing your support that way is Absolutely. really, really powerful. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. And the other thing that I loved that you said about painting, because I always am a huge advocate for writing and how much it can help your mental health, but sometimes you just don't have the words. So I love that you have other avenues to go to when you don't have those words too. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I would love to kind of close us out with one more poem from your book, maybe something along the lines of healing, whatever you want to read from the book. We'd love to hear it just to kind of close us out. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so this last poem I'm going to read, um, I chosen this one um, on page 137, and it's absolutely about healing. It's called Consistently Healing. I will keep seeping into the hot tub till the water becomes bitter from my wounds. I will keep finding ways to release so that I can make room for happiness too. I and love so, that. Yeah, that, that's pretty straightforward. But it again, it talks about, you know, releasing, finding ways to release and then making room for that happiness. Right. Perfect. That is a beautiful, beautiful ending. Um, I always like to end these episodes with a small step for our readers to take with them. And so I think something fitting for today is just encouraging compassion for yourself, whether you are grieving or whatever your mindset you might be in, focusing on some self-compassion, finding something that brings you joy, that brings you release, like we've talked about and healing. So that is today's small step is to think about one thing that you can do maybe today or this week to show compassion to yourself. Thank you so much for being here, Nishi. This was a wonderful conversation. I cannot wait for your book to be out. Thank you for being open and vulnerable about your grieving process and reading some poems from the book. And it was great chatting with you. Thank you, Shelby. Thank you for having me. It was, it was exciting to be here. All right, everyone. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.